And Arch, I just gave you an instruction manual on how to edit the episodes. <laughs> <laughs> I was listening to, oh, I actually don't know which one. I'm a couple episodes behind, but I was listening to one where Arch apologized to you for having to edit this. I'm not sure who did it in the end. It was me. That was really funny. Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> that was funny. Was, I, I owe Blind a box of chocolates or something. Right yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, uh, I I was very tempted to, like, pipe in and, like, edit myself into that episode, because I think he apologized twice in that episode at one point. Maybe, I don't remember. But you should have done that. That would have been really funny. I, I, th I thought about it, but I couldn't, like, find a good spot where it would, like, be coherent. And okay. I also, I think I, I think I also streamed that editing session, because I was on my edit, on my second channel. Mm-hmm. So was just kind of like, you know, powering through my my day to day and stuff and then just like eh, do I really want to like record it? Eh, nah. But fair enough, yeah. It wasn't that actually was that hard to edit. Like, I don't know, for some reason they thought they kept going off topic. It's like, well, you really kind of didn't. No, it was, just it was following good, it good along. episode. It's kind of podcasts are better when they go off topic. Yeah, absolutely. It's not as strict. It feels more, you know, conversational. But something that keeps us from going off topic is episode 58. I'm now questioning if that's correct. I think it's 58. Episode 58 of the Halcyon Frequency podcast. And uh, I'm blind and I'm hosting this one and I'm joined by Tootie Kiri. How are you today? Hello. I'm, I'm good. Also, if the number is wrong, then it's my fault because I put that here. I think it's 58. We, we've been recording a lot of secret like bonus episodes behind the, 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 behind the scenes and like trying to get a bit of a backlog over here at the Halcyon Frequency headquarters. So uh, our docs... Yeah, I didn't count confusing. those. So, yeah. And also when I'm hosting them and it's like, okay, so this one doesn't have a number. Okay. Uh, and then I go back to the ones with the numbers. It, it just, it makes me question my reality. It's fine. It's fine. I'm sure that's it. Yeah. But I'm actually doing okay. I've had a couple of rough weeks and I also haven't been on in a while. But it's getting better. And today I actually feel happy. Well, that's good. It's nice. Yeah. I forgot what that feels like. What about like. you? <laughs> oh. I, I don't know. I, I'm okay. I, uh, yeah, I'm okay. I, um, it, it's, it's very cold here right now. Uh, I, this morning it was minus 12. Um, that's cold. We're yeah. supposed to get a dump of snow tomorrow. So I guess I have to go grocery shopping <gasps> today. Snow? Um, but, uh, it's, it's currently clear. It's sunny. I, I woke up to the, the sun shining through the window, which was a little strange. I haven't seen that in <laughs> about a month. Um, and, uh, so maybe I guess I can stop taking my vitamin D supplements. Um, I don't know. I I'm okay. I'm kind of planning a subathon for next month and then had to like move it a week because I realized I had a doctor's appointment in the middle of where I want to put it. So that, oh, yeah. that, that kind of was, is kind of where my brain's at right now. Um, I'm kind of just, just kind of existing. I don't know. Getting back into baking. Uh, I made brownies. I, I watched a oh. really bad movie last night, which is a really bad movie that was also kind of a really good movie. And that was fun. Um, I watched Johnny Mnemonic, which is a very, very nineties science fiction cyberpunk movie with Keanu Reeves. And kind of like a really good cast in general. Like everybody in that movie is somebody, but like 
It's an hour and like 36 minutes, and it's not very good, but it was very entertaining. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> that, 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 that movie has a psychic dolphin in it. Uh, that's, it, it's pretty, it's got VR headsets and a metaverse and like hacking where people just like wave their fingers around. It's, it's a good time. And like a lot All of right. CRT screens and like weird rocket launchers. It's got Yakuza. It, it's a, it's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty okay thing. And it like kind of actually considering the movie takes place in the year 2021, it predicts a lot of things very accurately, including a pandemic. So. Ooh, I, I was about to say that sounds funny. And until you said that, it, it's it, not it's, funny it still is kind of funny actually, <laughs> because it's like a, a hysterically stupid parody of itself. Um, yeah. Be- because it was made in the 90s. <laughs> but what's it's funny cuz like the design of like the VR headsets and stuff is like actually pretty close to like an Oculus. Okay, that's cool. Like it's it's kind of it, it's 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 a it's a very funny movie. It's it's very goofy. Um it it kind of helps that like the virus that they all have is like oh, your spine stops working because of all of the electronics around you. Um which is just goofy. Uh-huh. But um yeah, no, it's 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 a it's on Netflix. I don't know. It's an hour and a half. It's not offensive and entertaining. It has a good soundtrack, so I'm happy I watched it. Um it also like very much references the Matrix in like four or five places very blatantly, which is really funny because it's like Keanu Reeves referencing the Matrix. Yeah. Um, that must be such an odd feeling. Well, I mean, I, I think it came out after The Matrix. It'd be weirder if it didn't. Um, so, yeah, it's got a lot of dudes in black trench coats and big guns. Not quite running up walls. It's fun. It sounds fun. Very 90s movie. That, that, that was the highlight of my week, I think. Um, cool. Aside from just streaming I've... and doing my normal things. Yeah. I've got a highlight, too, actually. I was randomly asked this week if I want to be part of the jury of an Austrian gaming award. Oh, I thought you were. I didn't know say, we had like, that. Like go to, like what? What? What's the word? Like go to court or something? Like oh, oh no, that's awful. But <laughs> oh no. Wait, but you say jury in English for that too? Yeah. Do you? Like, I, I like for gaming duty. awards. So okay. Yeah, no, but okay. So it doesn't have anything to do with with courts or bad things. But I get to judge games, cool. and I did that this morning. Yeah. So do you just like pick fun. a bunch of games from a list? Like, no, the so I got the list. It was seven games because Austria is small and we don't make that many games apparently. Okay. Oh, um, so it's like games made in Austria. Yes. Oh, okay. Exactly. Gotcha. Partly or fully. So I I don't know, but I think all of them were fully made in Austria actually. And I got this list with a blurb, basically what is about and a trailer to watch. And then I had to judge it based on the presentation, the art style, the business potential, uh, innovation, and then give an overall ranking. And then also pick three favorites. Hmm. That was fun. And the, the, most, the most fun and surreal thing was that one of the games, like I recognized more of them, but one of them I thought, oh yeah, I played this one. And... And I thought if I should just judge it based on that. And I thought, no, I'm going to watch the trailer because I'm going to give that also, you know, the same procedure as the others. So I opened that link and it's actually a gameplay video of me playing that game. 
Oh. And it's funny because the dev asked me if, if he could use it for his website, I think. And I said, yeah, sure, I don't, I don't care. But instead of having like a pitch video like the others did or, I don't know, like explaining the game, doing something, it was just me. And I don't have anything to do with the game. So that, was, that was a bit odd. I deducted points for that, actually. I was going to say, I'd be like zero. <laughs> yeah, I gave, I gave less points for presentation. That's funny. You know, that, that, was, that, that was really funny and very surreal. Wow. Yeah, I, I was going to ask like just how, how many of them you recognize, but yeah, I guess <laughs> that's kind of funny. I recognize but two. two when when do the uh, awards get announced for this? Um, In like Three weeks, two, three weeks. Okay. I mean, it is. Because we have, we have a. Season, so. Yeah. We've got a festival, like a gaming and culture festival in one of the cities in Austria. And that's when they're going to announce the winner. Yep. Well, I, I, I mean, uh, be best of luck to your nominees, I suppose. And uh, yeah. That is really funny that developer just submitted your. I wonder <laughs> if that was like a mistake. <laughs> I don't know. That's, that's it felt funny. odd. <laughs> it's like uh, I, I've definitely yeah. It was it was cool to be part of it. I've definitely as, had as a developers judge. use my footage for things before, but like now I wonder. <laughs> yeah, but but that seems like so official, right? I mean, I, I suppose only the 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 judges see that, right? I, but I guess it also depends. Still, wouldn't you want a proper presentation of your game, not just a random person playing it? Yeah, I, I guess it. I guess it depends on like. How seriously you take the award? I guess, yeah. As well, like you know, I, I could super see like uh, a developer being, being like, ah, whatever. We need just need some footage of it being played. Uh, use this one. This is good footage. Yeah, so, possibly. Yeah. I mean, I don't mind. It was just, yeah, just kind of funny. funny. Yes. Yeah. Aside from that, my week was uh, kind of quiet. I mean, I'm basically just like in mellow period, right? You know, like. Uh, Dwarf Fortress had its uh, its its big minute in the sun, and that minute in the sun is pretty much past, and so now it's just like mm -hmm. waiting until the next minute in the sun, basically, and also trying to yeah. survive all the other game launches. Like I think Kerbal came out this morning, and uh, you know, there's been many pretty. Yeah. There's been a lot of other pretty high profile releases recently, so been pulling yes. people away from the Dwarf Fortress directory. You know, Sons of the Forest just came out and sold a bajillion copies. Uh, Company of Heroes three is out and has mixed reviews. Mm -hmm. Um. And like it's oh does it yeah it does I just hovered over it and it says it has mixed reviews so um actually okay. how, how's Kerbal doing it's either overwhelmingly positive or overwhelmingly negative and it's neither in between no it's also mixed okay that checks out forty five percent oof oh boy must run oh, like wow. must run like sand that's unfortunate yeah so yeah no but then Kerbal has really high minimum requirements I'm not PC. surprised by this yeah no they they require a, a twenty sixty uh, yeah. 12 gigabytes of RAM. That's actually kind of a lot for some people. It is. And okay, they, it doesn't actually require the biggest processor, but I, I'm not. I'm not surprised by that at all. I mean, they recommend a 3080, which. Yeah. Not to be dismissive of people's mm. computers, but for current gen technology, that's not exactly a new card. So. I mean, it's true, but it's not like they're. I mean, I I don't have it. Not like they're requiring a 4060. What what card are you using? Got a 2070 Super. Okay, yeah, then you'd be fine. But I would be, but I would puke all over it. So oh, probably. I mean, to be to be fair, that but my PC could handle it. Th yeah, those kind of orbital technologies games make me nauseous. 
Like yeah. watching Kerbal <laughs> half the time makes me nauseous. So like I I feel you there. It's like for for the same reason that like Super Mario Galaxy makes me nauseous. Mm. But oh, sad. Yeah, I I I, I don't know. I, unless it's like a cockpit view space game, I basically can't do it. I can do cockpit view space mm. games though. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I don't know. So there's just been a lot of big releases recently and um, a lot of people getting excited for a lot of things that aren't Dwarf Fortress. So I've just been kind of in sustaining mode, which is, I, I don't know if you've ever been in that kind of situation as a as a content creator, but like where you're just kind of waiting for the next thing and there kind of really isn't much that you're interested in. It's just kind of almost stress-inducing for kind of no reason, not because... Mm-hmm there's a lot happening and not because there's a lot to do but because there's nothing happening and you don't really know what to work on um so that's kind of where i've been recently which is why i'm just kind of mellow in the middle of like nah i'm okay yeah no i get that though and that just reminded me of something that i want to talk about when we talk about games okay thank you speaking of uh, new releases apparently blood war bowl 3 has mostly negative reviews which One of my viewers was complaining about that. Sad. What, what, what? I never played any of them. Do, do you know what Blood Bowl is? I do, yes. Okay. I just never played it. I mean, Blood Bowl 2 is like a solid tactics game. Like, if you ever want like a good turn-based tactics game with like a lot of RNG and dice and like really silly outcomes, it's, it's, a, it's a fun game to play against somebody that you know so you can throw things at them. <laughs> when they <laughs> like run a tractor over a bunch of your dudes, but like... It's just it's just a goofy series of games. I wonder I wonder what's up with that. So mostly negative. You don't see very often. Yeah. Stability issues apparently. Mm. Worst launch, unplayable. Hmm. Oh, that's sad. In fact, somebody on my friends list left a negative review on it. Damn. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's that. I mean, that Cyanide Studio has, like, mixed results with, the, with their output of, like, stability on launch, especially. Um, but generally, their games are quite well-received, even if they're a little janky. Mm-hmm. Hmm, that's strange. Must be pretty bad. But uh, so, since you said you've got stuff to talk about when we talk about games, why don't we just dive into games? We'll, we'll, we'll be back right after this. And we're back with episode 58 of the Halcyon Frequency podcast. So, uh, games, Carrie. Uh, yeah. So, what, what you said about uh, not having anything new that you want to cover and not finding anything. Um, I had this. I was basically waiting for other releases. And I thought, I love Winter and Snow. And I, I say that Frostpunk is one of my favorite games. But I've never actually finished it. Um, wow. And so I started it again. I know. Wow, it's 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 horrible it's for that, me. It's at not least. that long of a game either. <laughs> I know. It's just that. Okay, so that was in 2019. I think I played it. So, but after a year after it came out, and I was streaming it, but my PC back at that time couldn't handle it. So, the further I progressed in the game, the colder it got, the more storm effects were and snow particles, and eventually it was just a podcast with a with a still of me. So. I dropped every single frame and I just had to stop streaming it, which was really sad. Mm. And I upgraded my PC, but I never went back to the base game. 
I did play the DLCs and I finished those when they came out and they were absolutely amazing. But I just never finished the base game. So I, I went back to it on stream and it was really fun, but I think I threw my run by following a path for achievements. Ah. And I, I think my run is just not salvageable anymore. I did get achievements for it though. Um, I think I have to start over. <laughs> it's worth it. Well, I, I, I mean, I hmm. personally for me, the way I, I, I always play through games, especially if there's like achievement routes and stuff, is I, I play through it first without paying attention to any of that. And then I go back and do the achievements if I really like the game. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, de definitely that's, that's I, one way to play. <laughs> I normally would do that too. But then because my community knows that I like achievements, one of them mentioned, hey, if you accept all these people, you get an achievement. And I had to double check because you can never trust chat. And they were right. So I thought, all right, well, I can take in the first group. And then that was a lot of people and things started looking bad. But, well, I've already accepted the first one. I can accept the second one too. And now we're running out of food and, and uh, coal and everything really. But I accepted the last one too because then I got the achievement. But the, the, we're doomed. Makes sense. Yeah I, yeah, I can resist. You, you know, hold an achievement right in front of me and I have to get it. The, the, <laughs> I, I, have a, I have a fix for this. Don't look at the list of achievements. <laughs> yeah, but... <laughs> you know, I, I, I have this problem with achievements where half, How? The time I, half the time I look at them and they're all spoilers. That is true. Especially so, if it's something with like a campaign. Like I won't look at yeah, the yeah, achievements yeah. until I'm done. No, I don't. I don't either. I'm the same. Yeah. But I've, I've played Frostpunk before, yeah, and I, I know where it's headed, so I don't have a problem looking at achievements. But definitely, if it's a story game or if there's anything else and I've just started playing, I don't look at the achievements until my, at a point where I think, like, okay, I've seen it. I know what the game is about. I know where it's headed. Maybe I finished the story. Then I'll look at achievements. Yeah. Like, like as an example, I think Inside just straight up has, like, an, if alternate oh, yeah. ending spoilers in the achievements. Just yeah, don't, you don't want to see that. Um. So, like, I, yeah, I, 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 I kind of wish with a lot of games that, like, they would just, like, hide all achievements until you finish it once, which some games do, um, but. I've never seen that before, I think. Hidden achievements sort of thing, yeah. Oh, yeah, hidden achievements, but then they don't pop up after you're done. Yeah, but there's, a, in... there's, there's, there's ways to make them pop up. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. They're not hidden for me, but. Yeah. yeah, I or, or I kind of. It would also be great if like um, they could do what I think Xbox does this, where it's like story related achievements are in their own tab, and you have to like click them to make them pop up. That would be nice. Which would be nice, but you know, new features on Steam that they just they don't do that. Yeah. They wheel their desks yeah, no. around and um, <laughs> work on their CS:GO skin gambling ring. That's, yeah. that's all. That's all that they do over there. Um. <laughs> so. Uh, Congratulations on returning to the worlds, uh, to, to the worlds, to the world of winter and frostpunk once again. And uh, I wish you best of luck in uh, Thank 100 percenting it. Um, so since, since we're talking about games that we're returning to, I returned to a game this week um, mm -hmm. because uh, shortly after Dwarf Fortress came out, uh, this little silly developer thought it would be a great idea to release his game out of early access, which is Warsim. Um, so I didn't touch it. <laughs> Because I think I put up like a video on YouTube about it. It was like, "Da, Warsim's out. You should, should go play Warsim. It's pretty good." And then like just 
went off and played Dwarf Fortress for another four or five weeks. Um, but <laughs> since things have calmed down a little bit, I've wandered back into the realms of Warsim. And Warsim, the realm of Aslona, is a uh, ASCII kingdom management game. It's like $9 or your regional equivalent. Um, and uh, to quote the developer himself, if you can't afford it, steal it. Um, and if you don't no. want to steal it, DM him on Twitter and uh, he'll send you a key. Um, anyway, uh, it's a... That's an interesting approach. I, certainly, but I, I mean, it, it works for him. He also responds to every single Steam review. Yeah. So if you leave a review, he will respond to it. Wow. Um, he's, he's kind of a, a, a crazy British dude, and, and I have a lot of respect for the guy. Um, also, alongside of um, releasing the game in 1.0, he also released all of his generators for free. Um, so the way Frostpunk, or not Frostpunk, the way, the way uh, Warsim works uh, is it, it, it generates you one of 90-something million custom races, um, or like eight of them, essentially, and it populates this, kind, this very pan-crafted little world with these custom races. And uh, they all have their own custom goals. And uh, then you go through and you build your backstory based on character creation. And then it kind of turns into ASCII Crusader Kings with a very heavy focus on, okay. like, managing a throne room. So you, you have 13 options, and it's played entirely on, like, the keypad or, like, numpad or, like, the numbers on the top of your keyboard. Um, you just, like, hit a button and then press, press enter. And, it, and it's, it's very much multiple choice. It runs in what looks like a command line window. So it looks kind of like MS-DOS. Um, but, uh, it's just, you know, it's, 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 and it's an ASCII management game. So you literally like to, there, there's no real options menu in game. Like you right click the top of the window and you can set the font to whatever you want. You'd like change the scaling and stuff and make it full screen. It's, it's very much like a game that shouldn't exist in the current year, but does <laughs> for some reason. And I love the fact that it exists. Um, and the, the kind of beautiful thing about Warsim is, um, there is so much packed into this little tiny game that you can just kind of keep playing it. Um, there's a, a, a little mechanic where you explore like an overworld thing and you discover new locations. And every now and again, you'll discover a location that, like, that's like, it's a city. And there's like 300 screens in this city. And when I say screens, it's like you hit a number on your keyboard and it takes you to a, a set of like, 12 more options and you hit a number on your keyboard and it takes you to a set of 12 more options and you hit a number on your keyboard and it takes you and each one has like its own little <laughs> jokes and bits and dialogue and little things that you can do and side quests and opportunities for your kingdom to trade and uh people that you can do dealings with like there's a whole black market and a guy that you can like set up like trade route deals with you could like um like uh com completely you can discover like a little location that just like completely changes the economy of the rest of the playthrough. And it's, it's super neat and it's, it's, it's very handcrafted, but at the same time, it's like, it's random enough that each run it's, it's worth doing different runs, just playing as a different type of character because there's so many different ways through it. Um, like right now I'm playing as a gambling degenerate who just wastes the entire kingdom's, uh, revenue on coin flip games and, uh, betting in, uh, taverns and, uh, on gladiatorial battles. And I keep losing all of my money and everybody hates me, but it's uh, the law that everybody has to wear hats. So they're, they're kind of happy about that. I'm assuming, um, it's, that's great. It's, it's, it's halfway like a slapstick comedy, like jokey bit game, but also like kind of a weirdly compelling little strategy game. Um, and then once you have done everything you can do in a given year, then you end the turn, I guess, which is just like the last option on the menu. 
and uh, then you pick who you want to invade or what territories you want to defend, and then it rolls all the dice to see uh, where you come out on the next year, and then you collect all your taxes, and you go and you do it again. And uh, so it's, it's a pretty quick little loop, and if, you, if you're playing on your own time, it can get very fast. Like, I, I, I can play through a year in, like, a couple of minutes um, if I'm playing mm-hmm. on my own time because I can read pretty quickly, but, like, as a game for streaming, it's just, like, I'm going to do silly voices for every character, and I'm going to arrest every single person that comes into my uh, throne room that complains, and I'm going to make a bunch of thing, a, a, a bunch of celebrations, and give them funny pun names because that's what you do. Um, and it, it's 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 just it's just a good time. There's there's a lot to be enjoyed uh, in that game, and it's it's really cool seeing it get you know up to its overwhelmingly positive status and holding it like the thing's got 98% positive reviews like it's just it's a weird thing as impressive people don't make games like that anymore um and it's not gonna be for everybody but out of all of the weird games that I talk about this is maybe one of the more normal ones or easier to get into ones um because there is very much a game there um I just it's not the sort of game most people would stream but it is a very fun game to stream because there's a lot of opportunities to be like hey chat which option of four here should we take? And then chat just like gets mad at you when you take Yeah, exactly. Option. So it, you can incorporate them. It, it's it's a fun game. And then like, you know, a goblin shows up and throws up on the floor and uh tells you a bad joke. Um and then you like upgrade your throne room so you have a trap door and you can drop them into a pit of lions. As you do, of course. Naturally, yes. Or you know, you could just like enslave <laughs> everybody and turn ev- turn your entire like civilization into a slave cult and then get assassinated, which happened to me once. Um, yeah, it's fun. It's a good game. So that's uh, that's Warsim, the Realm of Aslona. Um, check it out if you want. Uh, Carrie, you've got a couple games on your list. Pretty funny. Which which one do you want? Yeah. to Cover next. Well, since we're talking about war, how about Company of Heroes three? That is war. I mentioned that earlier. That is that is that war. is war. Yes, World War Two. Um, I played the beta for this. I don't know several months ago. I don't remember when that was actually. And now the game is out, and and it's really fun. But so I've I've never played the previous uh, Company of Heroes games, mm-hmm. um. So I don't actually know if that's new to the third one or not. But when I played the beta, it was just an RTS battle. So I I played um and, Company of Heroes two. So I just be like, was this in the old one? And I'll be like, yes or no, based on my very rusty okay, memory cool. of that older game. That is perfect. So, um. Now I played the tutorial and then I started the Italy campaign. There's also another one. But with the Italy campaign, you've got an RTS battle. Mm-hmm. And then it turns to a, a turn-based world map. That's all new. And I, I was so confused. I mean, it's, it's not bad, right? It was just not what I was expecting. So it's basically a total war map, I would say. And you have your units. You move them around. You take over towns. But the towns don't lead to like taking over the towns doesn't lead to a battle unless there's actually an army station there or it's a mission some towns have the mission text above them so that means this has to be fought in rts battle which is really cool but then when you just fight an enemy army on the world map you could actually auto resolve it which i guess is cool saves time but I, w- I was n- not expecting it, and it, I, could, I don't know, it confused me so much, I was actually disappointed, because the prologue forces you to auto-resolve the battles. 
I'm like, no, please let me fight this. I, did, I don't want it. But yeah, so the prologue is very scripted and you can't really do anything else but follow it, which, which was annoying to me. But now that I'm out of the prologue, it's really good. I like it. And the voice acting is incredible. I'm, I'm surprised that you were surprised about the like turn-based portion because like that was the entire selling point of this was like, yo, we're making Company of Heroes again, but it has a total war map. I missed that. I completely missed that. Huh. I mean, I, I, I heard that constantly, but um, yeah, I, it, for, for me, it's really neat because Company of Heroes was always kind of a, it was like, you, you didn't play the older ones. So like Company of Heroes was always, I, I don't want to say like Age of Empires in its structure, but the campaign for Company of Heroes was just like, for the older games, it was just map, 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 done. Yeah, and that's that's what I was expecting. Right, and that's a that's that's a way to do a campaign for an RTS. But what that doesn't do is it doesn't keep people playing that RTS, right? And it doesn't it doesn't take a single player audience and grab you and grab them and keep them playing it. It's great for a multiplayer audience because they won't play that anyway, and they just go play the multiplayer game. Um, which is kind of what Company of Heroes is traditionally. It's very much actually like an esports RTS game, which is weird to say. But like the competitive scene mm-hmm. around Company of Heroes is huge to the point where like I could like name a couple of streamers that stream almost nothing but Company of Heroes, um, Company of Heroes Two, and uh, they've been streaming Company of Heroes Two as long as I've been on Twitch, basically, and still stream it and still take part in competitions. It's like kind of like mini StarCraft in that way. I mean, it's very much smaller than StarCraft. It's a smaller audience, but like. It's not a small competitive RTS scene for Company of Heroes. So when you have that kind of campaign, it it makes it even harder for a casual audience to stay interested in the game. And I, I very it's very clear to me that they're just trying to. I mean, it's it's a Sega published game, right? So like they're they're trying to get yes. in on that, uh, you know, uh, Total War money, I, I suppose. And um, it's gonna, I, I I guess, be really curious to see whether or not uh, the changes that they've made to it to make it a more casual, friendly game annoy the competitive audience, because like that's a really difficult balance to make. And like some, something that I know they've done for the single-player game that is not in the competitive game, that is not in any of the older games, is like there's real-time pause now, so you can pause. Um, and that is, that is something that uh, the older games never had, even in the single-player. Um, Company of Heroes, even for me, was uh, a, a campaign I wasn't able to finish on the older game. Uh, this company of heroes too because it was just so hard uh especially with no pausing whatsoever because like it's a very micro heavy game where you're constantly like i need to position this squad correctly or they're all dead um yeah and uh it's also a, a style of rts that like not many people make like um oh what 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 is the name of that studio destructive entertainment made of one that was basically vikings but this the people who made that super edgy game, Hatred. No, hold on. Let, let me let me see if I can look it up. But yeah, the the, mm-hmm. the yeah, Destructive Creations made. Uh, apparently, they made War Mongols. Weird. Um, they made a game called Ancestors Legacy. There it is. Um, Ancestors Legacy was essentially this, but like this style of RTS, like this kind of squad based RTS, but like with like Vikings, right? And it was it was okay. I, I remember playing through that campaign, which was just mission, 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 mission. And uh, thinking it was all right, um, but the competitive scene never took off because it was apparently poorly balanced and they didn't like it. Um, so they all went back to playing Company of Heroes. So I, I'd, I'd be, I'm, I guess I'm curious to see, like, where in, in eight months for this game, is there a casual audience for this game? 
is the did, does the competitive audience move over at all, or do they stay on the last game because most of the tournaments for it anyway are community run? And uh, mm-hmm. d- does it catch on with the casual audience, and does that casual audience convert into competitive audience? Like it's it, it's neat. Yeah, good question. I certainly had a lot of fun playing it, and you know, wh- while I was surprised, it was it was good. I, I realized that was a bit of a speech. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. So, are, are you gonna play through a full campaign of it, or or do or do you think it's? I want to, through? yeah. I want to. Neat. The competition was was big with the other big streamers playing it as well, but uh, yeah, I don't know how long a campaign is. Yeah. I can't. I can't say. But it, it's all. Yeah, it, definitely. It's really hard to tell how long campaigns are, especially with like those turn-based overworld maps, because it's just like, well, yeah, it just kind of continues as long as you want it to. In some cases. Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. And then it's got pause as well. I know that that's a new feature. So it's got a tactical pause in the RTS battles, mm-hmm. so you can just pause, and then you can issue orders and queue them up and stuff. Um. Which makes it also last longer because then you think about it and then you pause and talk to chat. So my chat called it the chatical pause. <laughs> so- <laughs> did, did you ever play Men of War? No, I didn't. Because Men, Men of War is kind of... Well, I, it's, it's dumb to say Men of War is kind of like this. Men of War is like this, but you only get like eight dudes. Okay. And like vehicles are drivable and it's all real-time pause. So it's like... I'm going to take one guy and put him here and like position him behind like a bench and he's going to, and it's also a world war two game, right? And he's going to peek over and like, look, and then this guy's going to go over here and then this guy's going to get on a tractor and start driving the tractor through a wall. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. like, there's like little drivable vehicles and stuff. And it, it's very much like a much smaller scale kind of RTS where, where you have like maybe a dozen dudes tops and your, your, your goal is to like kill one particular person or get past a point on the map or like get to a objective point. Men of War was a, a very interesting game that I always think mm-hmm. of whenever I'm playing Company of Heroes because it's kind of like, hey, it's Company of Heroes, but way smaller. Yeah. Now, now that you mentioned that, I just looked it up mm-hmm. to make sure, but I've never played it. And I found that there's a Men of War 2 coming out this year. Yeah, I, I think that that's... That's 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 one that's been like uh, like knocked around for a bit. It, it's it's a weird franchise because like it's I think changed ownerships at one point. But um, okay. yeah, no, Men of War is a, cool. It's it's a neat franchise because like the, like almost any vehicle in the game is like jackable and drivable usually. So you can mm-hmm. get like oh, that's cool. If there's just like a if you manage to disable a tank, you can just like get two dudes into a tank and then just drive start driving and shooting with a tank, um, which is also fun, but. Yeah, no, this just makes me think of Men of War, and it's also interesting, because I think the original Men of War came out around the same time as Company of Heroes 2, so it's like we're back in 2009. Yeah. <laughs> Weird how games work it's like tough. that. Um, speaking of uh, 2009, let's jump back another decade and go to like 1993. <laughs> so I last night I played through the entirety of the demo of the System Shock remake. Um, which, man, I'm so excited to play a System Shock game. <laughs> like, I, 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 I assume you don't have... Do you, do you have any affinity for System Shock at all? Or Bioshock? No. No. So... Hmm. Can't play them. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the original System Shock, uh, you probably could, actually. 
because the original, okay. the original System Shock, and I, I mean like System Shock Enhanced Edition, it's a first-person game, but like to move the camera, you have to hit E and click and drag with the mouse, and it's basically flat. Um, like the, it, it is primitive. Yeah, first person. I'm looking at it right now. It is primitive oh, wow. first person to the most degree because like the, when, when the original System Shock came out, it was this was before they knew how to make first-person games. Right. This is like mm-hmm. I think you'd hold W to move in a straight line. Then it was like yeah, it was like E and mouse to like to move the camera. And then you'd like click. like it was practically ah, a no. first person point and click. It was a that that old that that game doesn't it doesn't age very well. But like <laughs> the the world and the gameplay and the mechanics do age very well. And uh, the System Shock remake, uh, which I think I've talked about on this podcast in the past, is. Uh, be- being made by um, Night Dive Studios, um, and Night Dive are pretty much responsible, from what I can tell, uh, for a lot of uh, old games coming out on PC. Um, it's a studio that their entire business model is, we're going to find old game that has an audience that hasn't been playable legally for a while, buy the rights to it, and then make it run on modern OSs and re-release it. And maybe, like, fix the resolutions and, like, add in, like, some quality of life options and, like, an options menu that functions. And then just, like, re-release mm-hmm. the game. And, and that's, been their, that, that's been their business model for a really long time. Um, they kickstarted this remake in uh, 2016, which was, like, their first big project of, you know, like, they, they, they like if, if you look at System Shock, the original uh, Enhanced Edition on uh, Steam, it's, it's made by them and they, like, actually like redid parts of the ui and made it function on modern pcs and made it like playable um and also added in an alternative control scheme which is much more modern so like they already did work to the original mm-hmm, yeah but this is an entire ground up remake like shot for shot room for room remake of system shock and it's kind of incredible actually how well they've managed to map those original environments onto a modern 3d space because like you know in 1993 what did what did they have they had flat textures with like a png on it right and (laughs) so they still have those same like flat textures but they've like rendered all those pngs so it's like you're, you're walking you walk into this room and like as me it's like i remember this hallway it's like this weird like kind of slanted hallway with like greenery on either side except like in the original game it was like it's a brown floor with brown walls with some green lines on the side and like lights <laughs> sort of coming from the ceiling but now it's got real-time lighting and like there's actual plants and greenery everywhere and it's like wow <laughs> and like all everything is just like it, it you stop and look at it yeah and they they I, apologies but like they, they put the little spider enemies in with flamethrowers and you don't see them and you just hear them half the time and you're like where are you you're like spinning around with like a gun trying to shoot downwards um and like S- system shock is i i wouldn't quite describe it as a horror game it's not scary but there is a lot of dread um in a good way and like mm-hmm. the enemies are kind of hysterically goofy but also like brooding and mean in a way where it's just like you'll come around a corner and you'll you'll hear them stomping back and forth and you'll like peek around the corner and then you'll see like this naked mutant just like dun 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 just walking towards and then he just starts running at you and you're like oh god I'm gonna back up and pull out a hammer because <laughs> um, ammunition is very limited um, and uh, mm-hmm. they, they they the cyborgs just are just like very much like I'm a video game enemy and they're just like yelling at you through the walls like I'm going on patrol. 
I haven't found <laughs> anything. Where did he go? <laughs> like that's that's great. <laughs> I, I I love I I love it when video games are just video games and they and they they don't care. Like you you play as an unnamed character named the the hacker, um, who hacked into um who who was hacking into uh the the cor- the big corporation that owns the space station, and uh, then they come and abduct you. Uh, not to arrest you, but because they you're so good at getting into their systems that they want to hire you to uh, remove the ethical restraints from the from the space station's AI. This is all like in the first like intro sequence. You remove the ethical restraints from the from the AI, and then they say, uh, "We might have more jobs for you later." And then they stab you in the arm with an injection and knock you out, and you wake up. I think it's two years later inside of one of their cryopods, um, and uh, they're they're. There, then the, the AI showdown greets you and says, enjoy your stay on Citadel Station. And then it's, you're, you're just, there's mutants everywhere and cyborgs and zombies. And you're just like, well, fuck. <laughs> I guess I, <laughs> I have to like figure out how to get out of here. So you're running around and it's a cyberpunk game. So you're grabbing implants and like, like mm-hmm. the HUD is like an implant that you find like on a shelf. <laughs> um, and like your mini map is an implant that you find in a closet. And like you can miss it and not actually get your mini map implant if you if you aren't paying attention. I would so miss it. Uh, it's very much a game about searching every cupboard, looking into every nook and cranny. You have to shoot the cameras to like hurt Shodan's uh, control over the station, and then like Shodan just starts yelling at you. And she's the Sh- Shodan is the up there with Galados for like best evil AI in a video game. Mm-hmm. And she'll just be like, enter this room and it will be your demise. And you're like, okay, Shodan. You walk into the room, you break the console, and she's like, who are you and why did you do that? And you're just like, break this thing. <laughs> break another thing. <laughs> and then like, she throws cyborgs at you and goes, this will be your destroyer. And then you'd blow it up and she's just like, why? <laughs> just, it's a good time. Um, but It sounds great. It, it's, it's like the, it's, it's the best mild sci-fi horror game out there because it's kind of hysterical but also very brooding and dread-filled and, all, and kind of scary in places but also just kind of really funny and everything's really shiny and nice and uh, it's a better cyberpunk game than cyberpunk because you actually can <laughs> and th- this part is actually kind of problematic even for me um, when it comes to motion sickness but in do you, do you know what a six to free six degrees of freedom shooter is no. Okay, so Six Degrees of Freedom shooters are... Uh, pr- primarily, there was like one or two series of games that popularized them, but they were pretty popular in the 90s, and then nobody's made them since. Really. I mean, there's like one or two indie Six Degrees of Freedom shooters. But basically, it's a first-person shooter, but there is no up and down, and you can just fly in any... Basically, it's a, it's a, it's a first-person shooter with no gravity. Oh, okay. So you can just fly around in any direction in a 3D space. So uh, mm-hmm. Q and E usually just rotates and then like WASD is just like you can fly around and then you use the mouse to like look in different directions and like spin around. Um, there are hacking sequences in, um, in System Shock, which are quite literally like the scene from Jurassic Park when she goes, this is a Unix system. I know this. Like you stick your face into a computer <laughs> console and then you fly around in 3D cyberspace and you shoot viruses. Um, okay. And uh, you get to the end of the level, and then something changes in the game, in in the, in the real world. And if you fail, then you have to do it again. Um, mm-hmm. And or like it'll stop some enemies from spawning, or like it'll lower a force field, or fix a bridge. 
And uh, so there's also like this six degrees of freedom shooter in the game. And from my memory of the original System Shock, the original System Shock, they ran like really, really bad and played worse and were just kind of a weird novelty that just kind of got annoying and sucked by the end of it. But they, it actually controls really well. Um, but the problem with Six Degrees of Freedom shooters is they make me violently motion sick. So it's like, yeah, I have like this five minute sequence I need to get through without throwing up. Let's go. But at least the music's good uh. and they're shiny and they look pretty. Um, but it's just like, shoot the big <laughs> shiny things, blow this up, follow the dotted line, get out the other end. But they're, they're kind of neat sequences. So I'm not going to super fault them for that. And they're all pretty short. I, I think like the longest. Yeah. Ones. As long as it's short, you can probably sit through it then. Yeah. then... And, and if, take a bathroom break it, or so and just calm down again yeah and then if it gets bad just like pause or whatever but like gen, gen, exactly generally it's just like you fly into this thing you're like picking up power-ups but it's like this weird little arcade minigame that's just in there and it's like the most 90s thing ever and nobody makes those <laughs> anymore so it's just kind of neat to see um but yeah no i i am uh I, it took me like a total of three hours to beat the system shock demo and uh, it's just the first level uh, of the station and uh, i think there's eight levels for the whole station um and they get kind of big <laughs> but um i it, it's it's nice to just play a completely open game with absolutely no direction where like you might feel like you're completely stuck and there's no way forward but what you actually need to do is just listen to a voice log again because they say the password for the door that you need to get through that's on the other side of the station that you forgot about um <laughs> And that's the kind of game it is. Uh, and it's nice to play a game like that because people don't make games like that anymore. Um, yeah, that's true. Partially for good reason, but also there is a certain level of reward. Like, I, th I would say the only studio really making games sort of like that now um, would be like Dishonored. And why am I blanking on the name of the studio that, make, that made Dishonored and Prey? But they're the only people really making that kind of immersive sim these days. So it's nice to see uh, a remake of the granddaddy of that style of immersive sim where you're shooting out lights so the enemies can't see you and throwing things and finding limited health packs and hoarding them and, like, picking up ammo off of bodies and reloading guns and recycling. Like, there's almost a crafting system in the game. Like, you, you can just go around picking up junk and, like, put them into a vending machine which spits out credits, which are these little coins. Um, that are little physics objects, and you go and you take them and you put them into a vending machine, and you can get energy drinks which heal you. Like it's, <laughs> it's it it's it's just a fun little game, and uh, I'm looking forward to playing through it. Yeah, it, it sounds really fun. Definitely not anything I can play, but I I live through people like you telling me about these games. It, it is literally worth like just going to Google and typing in all Shodan voice lines and just listening to Shodan talk. <laughs> Because mm -hmm. and they, they they got the original Shodan voice actress back um, to to oh, record so great. all the lines, yeah. Um, so it's like Shodan is just a really fun character. Um, and she's she's just entertaining to listen to, and her complete dismissiveness for human life and your life is amusing. <laughs> but also like her utter confusion when you just bamboozle her, bamboozle her in every. Every single situation is like, ah, I've got this. There's no way that you can defeat me. Or that you just knock over the thing that she was trying to stop you <laughs> with. And she's like, what? How did you? It's the, there's something about her that's just very, very, very funny. Um, yeah. Also, there, there's like uh, certain lore statements that she might be one of the first trans characters in a video game. Because in the manual, they refer to Shodan as he. 
but in the game it's uh, always she, which is kind of interesting. Oh, um, okay. But uh, Shodan's just a, a a cool character, and I I'm nonstop amused by, and uh, I look forward to doing inventory Tetris and recycling items and chugging energy drinks that I found off of zombies. Nice. When is that coming out? Uh, March is their release date, which is oh, not very helpful. Well, but soon. Like, yeah, less than a month. Um, yeah. So some, sometime in March. So Is this a game that you're going to stream or just play for yourself? I might take a week off Dwarf Fortress and just play this. <laughs> that, yeah. That's how excited I am about this game. Um, <laughs> so this, that, I, I'm, I'm very excited about System Shock. And that... The 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 kind of weird thing about this this remake is like I like I said it was kickstarted in 2016, they developed it until 2018 and then put out an announcement saying we're permanently pausing development because we ran out of money and uh, this was maybe we bit off more than we could chew because like Night Dive Studios is a very small studio they they're like a couple mm-hmm. they're, they're like maybe a dozen people, um and this is a pretty big game, uh, and then. 2020 happened and they're like we're developing system shock again and we're gonna live stream all of it and we're starting again from the beginning um so they started redeveloping it in 2020 when the pandemic hit and then mm-hmm. they got picked up by prime matter i want to say like oh sometime in late 21 and now it's releasing so that i mean the, there are some yeah. people that are still mad at the kickstarter from a billion years ago but like they they are releasing it, so there there is that. Cool. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, one other thing that's kind of neat to mention about System Shock, which does return in this version of the game as well, is 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 it has a very um uh, for the time very innovative uh difficulty sliders. Um, there are several different difficulty sliders. There's like I think eight in total, but one of them is combat. They got puzzles. They've got story. Um, you can sli- like, it, 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 and essentially what it is is you can say, "Do I want easy puzzles, medium puzzles, or hard puzzles? Easy combat, medium combat, or hard combat? Uh, high variety of pickups, medium variety of pickups, or no variety of pickups? Um, how hard? How hard do I want it to be to find items in the world? Um, how hard do I want it to be to find uh, story items in the world? And there's literally like eight different games there." based on the way you set the difficulty slider, like, there is three different sets of puzzles for the entire game. Very easy ones that are, like, you click two buttons and the puzzle's done, all the way up to, like, I'm gonna sit here and stare at this thing for five minutes on this terminal on this wall to try and figure out where to put these wires. Um, So the difficulty is really, really customizable, and I I think that that leads to a a very wide variety of, like, interesting difficulty options, which is kind of cool, and I really like that. Um, it runs. Yeah, more games should have that. It, it runs really, really well. I had everything running at ultra on my PC, and it was running at a smooth, buttery, like 100 plus frames a second. It looks great. Um, it's kind of got that, you know, the way Valheim looks, where it's got like those really big pixels. Yeah, it's kind of got that look to it. And like you look really closely at everything, it's like pixel art on 3D models. Um, yeah, it, it it looks great. It runs great. The audio design is pretty great. The only real complaint I have with it is like the melee combat on the zombies is a little weak, but on the other enemies, it's fine. It's literally just the zombies that it's a little yeah, which is also kind of like the most common combat interaction you're doing. But also, it's not bad. It's just kind of meh. 
you know, like the, the main, <laughs> it, I wish, I literally wish that they would just turn up the sound effects and just add more squelching sounds when I hit things. Like, it's really satisfying when you hit them in the head and their heads explode. But like the rest of the time, it's like, <laughs> I feel like there, there's not enough impact there. Yeah. But um, I talked way longer about System Shock than I thought I would. I'm excited about System Shock and I'm going to talk about it more when it releases. <laughs> so, uh, Carrie, I, I think it's your turn to pick something off of your, your list. Yeah, I just want to say that it's really cool, though, when you're so excited about a game and so passionate about it that you can just talk forever about it because that just, you know, it shows that you're very excited and you like it. Yeah, I, that's I, cool. I got my editor to edit the demo VOD down to 30 minutes so I could put it up to YouTube and on YouTube and they don't yell at me. <laughs> I might still yell. yell because it's too long otherwise or what I, if, it, if something isn't Dwarf Fortress and it's really long a lot of people on the YouTube channel go oh, not Dwarf Fortress where are the dwarfs <laughs> yeah okay I get it I get it but, um, <laughs> generally people are fine over there they're quite lovely but by not Dwarf Fortress I mean they just don't watch it <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Um, short, short, you need to make it short enough if it's short enough then they'll, gotta watch then it. they'll try yeah <laughs> um, that's all you can expect but um, cool. yeah, very excited about that. We'll, we'll, we'll stream the whole thing and the YouTube channel is going to have to deal with it. Yep. That's, that's the way it is. That is the way it is. I, I played, I played a game and I want to talk about it, but I also want to state right at the start that I didn't like it. Okay. Another question is why did I play it? Achievements. It's sometimes it's very sad. However, so I got a key for this game. It's called Garden Inn. And I suppose that's a pun for gardening. Gardening. It's garden, new word, yeah. I-N. Okay. Exclamation mark. And, and I thought it's cool. It, it's, you know, one of those wholesome games. It it's, looks really nice, 3D graphics. And all you have to do is you've got a room. You start out with just one. And you can decorate that minimalistically. You unlock more objects as you play. And you can put plant pots there. And then fill it with soil. So that's it three different types. There's the soil plants, there's the stone ones and the water ones. And, and then you put a seed in there and then you water that plant. And then you have to uh, graft plants together. I think that's what it is yeah. and make new ones. But the downside is that they grow in real time. And that's just bad. Like, I don't, I don't want to wait for a plant to grow. Oh, so it's like almost an idle game. Yeah, basically. And the plants grow when you have the game closed as well, which is good because, I mean, you, yeah. But then they, they dry up. They don't die. But they dry up so quickly that basically it's not really an idle game because once you close it, you open it again in an hour, all your plants have dried and are infested with bugs. And then you have to tediously pick up the spray can and click every single plant to remove the bugs. And then you have to water all the plants again. I mean, yeah, that's so gardening, like I suppose. No, but there's no way to like automate things, eh? No, no, not at all. You, you have to do that. I was going to say, suppose it in could be real life, meditative. my plants aren't that high maintenance. Exactly, right? Like, I, I, like water <laughs> all, I water all my house plants once a week. And in the summer, I water yeah. my outdoor plants once a day. Yeah. But here, they're like super high maintenance, and then plants need to be petted as well. No, that's, plants that's in need true. of love have, have hearts, and then you need to pet it. And I mean, I, I've petted my plants before, and I also talk to them. That's, that's okay. Yep. But that doesn't happen when they're dried up. So basically, you need to have the game running, 
and consistently water them for the plant to give you a chance to pet it so that it can then evolve and fully grow. And, and it's, there are so many, it's, I like the idea of it, but the way it was done was just really, really bad. Yep. And then also you've got this, this book showing you what kind of plants you have. And then you've got the, the shadows of plants showing you, you need, you need this plant. So this is a new plant really. And once you've discovered the plant that is needed for it, the, the shadow turns into the colorful version of it. But none of this can be clicked. So basically you have the picture of two plants and then you need to go through the book and look for it so that you know what plant you need in order to make the new one. But those are all um, fictional plants. So that's tedious as well. There should be hyperlinks there or something like a name because you have this book telling you all about the plant, how long it takes to grow, what kind of soil it needs and so on. But they couldn't put the name there, so they can take that as a reference and then look for it in the book. You have to look by picture. Like, I don't know. There, there, and then you unlock more rooms as well, and you have to take care of more plants, and they all dry up because you close the game for an hour. It was tedious, but I wanted to finish it, and I did finish it, and I immediately uninstalled it again. That seems like a bit of a shame. Yeah, because... I don't know. I thought it was a, a cool, very, you know, relaxing game that I can just play every now and then. But actually, seeing all your plants just dry up in no time, and then you have to basically start over with, with taking care of the bugs and watering them again. It's like, progress is so slow when you don't have the game up. Yeah. No, that, it doesn't make any sense. That, 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 yeah, I know. I, I, it seems it's it's like it's interesting looking at reviews for this because all of them are like, "Note, this is an idle game." And it's like half the people seem like surprised that it's an idle game because it's very much not marketed as an idle game. But then also hearing your description of it, it sounds like way too active to even be an idle game. Yeah, I, I don't know. That's, yeah. Uh, huh. <laughs> it, it was a strange game. Yeah, that that is odd. That is odd. Yeah, and the achievements were bugged, but the developers were active in the Steam forums and they took care of it. So now the achievements are all working. So they unbugged it? Yes. Well, that's good to hear. Yeah. It's just, I, I don't know, the, 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 whole, the whole concept is so strange and just not fun. It felt really like a chore. Yeah. Hmm. I, you know, I, I feel like... Um... There, there's a discussion to be had for, what is it, chill games, low vibes games, uh, chill beats to game and vibe to, uh, non-combat, non-goal, no-lose state games, where, like, I kind of don't like them, and I, I find that, I, I know they're very popular, like, you know, Sui really likes them, Arch really likes them, mm -hmm. but I need some, I, there's three things that I really need to enjoy a game. And that is a <clears throat> thing that I'm working towards, a failure oh, yeah, state, and reason to work towards that thing, which is funny because I'm like the person who plays Dwarf Fortress, but Dwarf Fortress has so many possible things I could be working towards that it becomes something kind of different and has plenty of failure states, so it's not a problem for me. But yeah. at the same time, if I play something like, I don't know, Baron Breakfast, which is a game that came out recently, where like... Mm -hmm. You can't really lose in that game. There's no real reason to actually complete the goals in that game. 
you don't really get meaningful progression for completing the goals in that game. You just kind of get some more things to put around, which is fine. And the game doesn't really change as you're progressing. And a lot of people are like, oh, it's a chill game. It's like, no, it's a, it's a boring game. <laughs> this is the way my brain goes. <laughs> and like when, and I think that there's a, there, there, and yes, there, there, is a, there is a point where certain games work. Like I think Unpacking is maybe an example of a chill game that I would describe where it's like. That has a good story. But like, that's, be- yeah, exactly. It's because it had a great narrative and mm-hmm. like an objective. You have to unpack everything. <laughs> um, yeah. But I, I, I feel like I've played games that go too far or there's, I've played some games and I've seen a lot of games that go far in the direction of we're chill and they almost use it as like a shield for poor game design in places and it just kind of sucks you know like and i for, for me that's also like animal crossing very much falls into that area where it's just like well i could just not and if i don't what do i get well there's bugs everywhere okay yeah yeah i i absolutely get what you're saying i need i need a goal I'm also very bad just with sandbox mode modes in other games. Like when, when the game has a goal, there's a campaign, for example. Great. That game has a sandbox mode. I will never play it. What am I going to do in there? Yeah. But those, those wholesome games, there are certain games um, where you, you don't have anything. It's, it's basically just a sandbox game. Uh, one I can think about is Townscaper. Where it, so it looks really good, nice, very colorful. You build a town, and depending on what types of, I don't know, build, building parts, structures you place somewhere, it changes the shape. See, I, cool idea. Looks, looks nice. But what am I going to do in there? I it doesn't have even a goal, a, a story, achievements. It's like, well, well, what am I supposed to do? It, yeah. Is it a game? I don't know. What? What's? Hmm. I mean, like for, for for me, Townscaper feels a lot like a game that I played recently called Ramp. And I've also played Townscaper. Okay. But like, there there is a point where because like there's wholesome games, right? And then there's yeah, digital toys. If that makes sense. Oh. And yeah. to, to me, Townscaper and Ramp fall under digital toy because they're very far in a direction, but they're not necessarily wholesome games. They're just here is a set of things that you can play with. Yeah, it's like a, I don't know, just a simulator. Not, not even that, because they're not really simulator. Because like ramp, ramp is just like, here is some very, very simple, very, very satisfying um, skateboarding mechanics in a little isometric screen. And although ramp does actually okay. have achievements. So there's achievements for, getting, for completing certain tricks um in on certain okay. maps and i've got one more to do which is i need to i need to spin 1080 while airborne in any level except for the mega ramp which i haven't done yet um i need to go back into there and keep grinding and try and do that but like <laughs> i played that game for like six hours and it's just like it's like five maps and they're just a little different skate parks and you just practice doing tricks and you can get achievements okay. but like it's just it, it's i wouldn't even describe mm. it as a wholesome game it's just it's a toy it's like playing tech deck. Yeah, that, that doesn't sound very wholesome. I don't know. Wholesome for me kind of needs a story. Cute graphics and a story. Yeah. Otherwise, I don't know. Okay, maybe not a story. I suppose if it's about a pet, I suppose that could be wholesome without a story. But a toy is a really good word of describing it. What I meant with, with simulation was, like, I don't know, it's like, 
maybe like Unity, where you've got this, I don't know, sandbox program and you put something in there and then you simulate how it behaves in a way. Sure. So like that war simulator, and that's a thing, right? Or I think recently like an atomic catastrophe simulator came out. Mm -hmm. And I also wouldn't call that a game. How about something like Cloud uh, Garden? Because I, I would call Cloud Gardens a puzzle game. I don't know that. You didn't, I'll look it you up. Didn't play Cloud Gardens. Cloud Gardens. Oh my God. No, I did not. You probably you you probably could play Cloud Gardens. It's like it's, there's a 3D object that you rotate. And mm -hmm, I see it. Screen with like a blank background. The the whole point. Yeah, of I could play that. Okay, what does it do? The whole point of it is you you have a little diagram and it's a little post-apocalyptic diagram, uh, or a, like or what? Not diagram. Um, diorama. Diorama. That's the word. You have a little post-apocalyptic yeah. diorama, and your goal is to completely overgrow it with plants. And you have a limited number of plants. And each plant has different okay. behaviors and grows on different materials. And the, the idea is to completely cover it in plants. And they're real plants. Okay. And they behave more or less how the real plants would behave. So if you know a little bit about plants, it's kind of fun. But if you don't know anything about plants, then mm -hmm. it's like, I'm going to place this seed here and watch how it grows. Okay, I'm going to delete this and move this over here. And it's kind of like a little, it's like a little uh, spatial management puzzle game where... Sounds like a puzzle, yeah. But it it also has like a sandbox mode where you can just place all the plants everywhere. Um, but like okay. the, the the goal of the game is to just like cover the entire level in plants, and then it gives you the next one. Um, and there's a limited number of puzzles there. So it like that like that that is what I would describe as like a wholesome game where like the whole the mm -hmm. whole idea of it is to just complete this, move on to the next puzzle. Complete this, move on to the next puzzle. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, you make cool plants grow. Yeah, totally. But How did we get here? I don't know. <laughs> You'd probably really like um, Cloud Gardens. And it also has achievements. And it also has a yeah. pretty rare one, which is grow 10,000 plants in total. Wow. I'll probably just do that in Sandbox mode pretty quick if I count those. Click, click, probably, click, yeah. click, 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 click. Although click, Sandbox, click, click. yeah, that's a question if it counts for achievements or not. Some games don't, don't let it count. But. Yeah, I just, I, I need purpose in a game. And I do like wholesome games, because not for streaming, but just for me to relax and wind down. That's it's just nice. But if there's no purpose, then it's just like you said, like I could just not, right? Because mm -hmm. that's also not fun for me. Yeah, no, I, I I understand that. Things just needing more. I guess. Yeah. I don't really need a fail condition. That, that's something I don't need, but I need I need the purpose and a goal, and you know, why am I doing this? Not just okay, so this is the goal, but like, why should I? I I need I need a goal that doesn't just feel like busy work. Otherwise, I just want it mm -hmm. to be an idle game like a clicker. You know, like I I love yeah. I love Space Plan, which is just busy work, but it's busy work to get half a paragraph of dialogue of story, right? Yeah, it's like you, I'm gonna click this potato for like. A minute and then you give me a, a bit of dialogue and by the end of it you've read like a 100 page short story kind of a yeah that's good i i really liked space plan space plan is a special thing and nobody talks about space plan anymore um but uh, i think we've kind of exhausted our, our our video games list here so uh why don't we go to news yeah yeah sounds good we'll be right back after this
back with the news section of the Halcyon Frequency podcast. And uh, we got a couple news stories here. Some more upbeat, some more downbeat. But uh, let's, uh, Carrie, do you want to take this first one? Yes, yeah, start with a downbeat, I suppose. I suppose so. Um, yeah, uh, Games Done Quick, the, the huge charity event that's happening every year, they have banned Hogwarts Legacy. Not only that, and... but all Harry Potter games. Which is interesting. Oh yeah, true. Um, so it's a statement. It's definitely a statement. So I'm I'm gonna be very careful with this. I think I think we probably both need to be. But um, wait, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, GDQ is a very much a uh, I think a an activism group in their own right. As like you know they they raise a huge amounts of money for uh cancer research every year like literal millions of dollars um but they're also uh very public in their um opinions on you know common matters like trans rights so i'm kind of not surprised by this at all this kind of makes a lot of sense i think it wouldn't mm -hmm. fit the gdq brand to uh, allow streaming of Harry Potter games uh, as part of their events. I know for a fact I've seen the older Harry Potter games at GDQ before, um, but like this just kind of makes sense. Um, I it it would be weird because like r regardless of what games you play in your own time and what games um, you and what what media you consume in your own time. Games being streamed on a public platform promotes them and helps them sell, regardless of if that's the point of the live stream, regardless of what the streamer is saying. And if it's promoting a brand that hurts a portion of people and those people are um, like, do not want that. And, and if you're running a brand that uh, caters to that audience, it, it makes no sense to allow for uh games that would upset people and regardless of whether or not it's directly financially benefiting jk rowling which in most cases it's not um the promotion of that brand does so this just makes perfect sense to me yeah no absolutely so i don't really want to go into more detail because it's such a sore uh subject everywhere yeah, no, that that that's fair. Uh, it's just yeah, I'm kind of. It is noteworthy. I'm just kind of surprised they hadn't banned other Harry Potter games already with what J.K. Rowling's been said for the thing for the last like two years. But like, you know, here we are. Next one, uh, also kind of a sore spot. So, um, Atomic Hearts, a video game, and in there, okay, so. The developer of Atomic Heart, a company called Mundfish, um, has a old EULA that they have um, completely just like downplayed and denied exists um, on their website, um, which I, I'm pretty sure has since been removed. But there is screenshots of it that states that they are 100% uh, going to send all user information to the Russian government. Part one. Oh. <laughs> Part two. Um, the video game developer, uh, Munfish, and I'm almost in conspiracy theory territory here, but like this, this will make this part make a little bit more sense. 
the that developer is based in Cyprus, and they describe themselves as a international uh, development team with no headquarters. But a large portion of their funding comes from uh, a literal Russian oligarch, and um, uh, massive shareholders in Russian petroleum companies. Mm-hmm. So while those two, like the, the, the individuals that are funding the studio and the studio itself is not based in Russia, and while their money is coming from various places, a large portion of their money is coming from people who are not currently sanctioned, but probably should be. Releases a game that is full of very pro, uh, I, I guess, um, Stalinism imagery. And... Yes, it's a work of fiction, cyberpunk fiction with a very Stalin-heavy bent. But when you take that, you look at who they're funded by, and you look at that EULA that they claim never existed. It's just so weird. <laughs> and it's just yeah. a bad time. And they released the game on the one-year anniversary, practically, of Russia's no. illegal invasion of Ukraine. It's just Why did they not weird? It is it is weird. It's like either they yeah, no, they don't care, do they? It, yeah. I, I mean they describe themselves as apolitical. Um apolitical my asshole. <laughs> yeah, no, you you can't be with all of that. Absolutely not. And you know, I so it it's it's for me it has nothing to do with Latin and I I've seen I've seen varying directions and points on this game from various sources, and people seem to fall in one of two camps, which is, this is kind of weird, and why would you get mad at this? It's a work of fiction. Completely fair. It's, it's, it's a work of absolute fiction, and I think in any other world, in any other timeline where that invasion didn't happen... The funding yeah. would still be a little weird, and I'd be a little bit concerned about them sending their the user data. data to the Russian government, potentially. Mm-hmm. But that's mostly, that's pretty normal. Pra- I mean, that's no different than playing Genshin Impact and them sending your information to the Chinese government, right? So, yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's weird, and I don't like it. Probably wouldn't play the game based on that, but also, okay. But it's just so tone-deaf and weird in the current world that we live in it just makes yeah. me scratch my head. Also, it has like locked motion smoothing for mouse uh, in a first-person game on PC in the current year, and no FOV slider. So <laughs> that's my actual criticism. Anyway, cool. um, uh, Australian uh, uh, mu- com- music composer Mick Gordon, uh, very well known for composing um, <clears throat> soundtrack for a little indie game called Doom, um, <laughs> did did the audio for the game, um, and he tweeted out a screenshot of some text in uh, Ukrainian flag colors stating that he's donating uh, the money that he got paid for the music of this game uh, to uh, support, uh, I, I think it's, it's Australian Red Cross, um, specifically for Ukrainians' crisis. Um, and it's Australian Red Cross because he's Australian. <laughs> so mm. That's great. to me, that is... Not I don't is admission of guilt a the wrong word to use to to me that just kind of like points a finger at it going yeah there's definitely more things this developers and saying 
yeah, maybe not admission of guilt, but I'm sure he realizes how weird all of that looks together. Yeah. And, and he wants to make the statement that, you know, yes, I've made the music for this, but also I do not, I don't know, condone that. I, I, I don't want to be part of this, but I'm using the money that I made for something good. Also, he most certainly got contracted to do this more than a year ago, right? Like, th this game's been knocking around Probably. in yeah. previews for... I, I mean, it's it's an Unreal Engine 4 game, but, like, I, I swear that, like, this game has existed in some format for, like, uh, in the public sphere for, like, what feels like forever. Um, mm -hmm. Like, I, I remember seeing early preview footage of this game probably, like, three, four years ago, maybe more. Um, so this game's been around for a while, which, you know, maybe lessens the weirdness a little bit, but... Yeah, I don't know. It's um, yeah, it's just weird. The least they could have done is just move the release date. Move the release date, or like maybe be a bit more transparent, I suppose. But um, I don't know. For for me, when when it comes to Atomic Heart, like I, it is this isn't a situation where I'm gonna bash people for playing it. I just think it's weird, <laughs> you know. Like I like play it, promote it. It it looks like a fine video game. Who cares? But like the the it's just, it's just weird. Really? Yeah. You know, there's a lot of weirdness with that. Like, and like I said earlier, I, I think it's about as weird as playing something like, uh, you know, Genshin Impact. You know. Mm. So, with that aside, well, we we got some fun news, some good news. Yeah. Um, it's not weird. Some something not weird. I'm I'm gonna copy paste a thing into the document for, uh, f for this, uh, so that Arch has a a, a link for editing later, but um. Timestamped in the description of this podcast is a link to the Dice Awards, which was streamed uh, on IGN's YouTube channel. Um, and uh, Dwarf Fortress, a little indie game um, that I appear to be a bit of a fan of, uh, won Best Strategy Game at Dice Awards in Vegas. That's pretty cool. Which is very funny I... watching the chat get real mad. <laughs> I never heard of Dice Awards before. Um, Dice Awards are uh, the award, in my opinion, one of the awards uh, festivals that actually matters. It's um. Is that only gaming? Gaming awards? I I need to Google what Dice stands for, and I need to do this every single okay. time. Dice awards. <laughs> um. So it's a rep uh, like Arch, an annual Arch can edit award. this out if he wants. Probably won't. Because uh, it's it's an acronym. <laughs> it stands for something. It's the Design okay. Inno Innovate, Innovate, Communicate, Entertain Awards. Um, it's basically okay. like, it's not quite the Game Developer Awards, um, but it's very, yeah, it's, 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 it's a video games industry awards event that happens at the ARIA Convention Center in Las Vegas, which is where TwitchCon NA is happening, I think. Um, Exciting. And uh, it's, it's, it's one of the few awards, like, ceremonies that actually matters like um yeah um also apparently elden ring got game of the year well who's surprised by that <laughs> it takes yeah. two got last one 80s before that untitled goose game god of war just looking at previous winners mm -hmm. so um yeah um cool dwarf fortress got best strategy game um which is uh you know i think kind of funny <laughs> just because I, I i watched the the clip on the stream and um like I said, seeing chat go, what? <laughs> amusing because it's, it's, it's very obvious uh, with things like this that 
you know, large portions of the games industry, uh, or not games industry, but games audience, I guess, like doesn't pay any attention to indie stuff. Um, yeah. But uh, it, it's also kind of cool it, to get to see Zach and Tarn go on stage and give a little speech. Yeah, that is, that is really cool. And they've definitely earned it. I think that's great. It, what, what shocks me is what you just said with the, a large portion of the gamers not, not knowing about indie games, not being aware. Because mm -hmm. I see that around me as well. And it's just so mind-boggling because I'm just inside those indie games, right? Totally. I get so many emails and just, like, I know of them. But then if you, if you just have, I don't know, like your one, two games that you always play, I guess you would just stick with that. I know you've watched content creators I mean, for that specific game, but... I listen, wow. I listen to a, quite, quite a bit of mainstream games coverage, right? And the, like in podcast format. I, I will, rather, I listen to about eight different podcasts about video games. Um, some mm -hmm. very consistently, some every other episode or something. Um, but uh, some of them cover indie games quite a bit. Um, but... Two of the ones that I listen to are pretty, like, pretty mainstream focused. Like, one of them just straight up has, like, an hour chunk in almost every episode talking about nothing but Call of Duty. <laughs> um, but, like, <laughs> they, they, and they, they all have their own niches of indie games, right? Like, one of the podcasts I listen to, they talk about mostly AAA stuff. And then occasionally, like, big releases, like, they'll probably be talking about Sons of the Forest. Like, they talked about Grounded and stuff like that. Um, but th then they'll talk about, like, FMV games, right? Which is a niche that I know nothing about, which is just like, you know, full motion video games um, with, like, yeah. you know, people and actors. Um, so I, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts that talk about games that I'm not familiar with to, like, keep up with what's going on. Right. And I'm, I'm just I'm just crazy like that, I guess. And also, I like I like pretending that there's other people in my apartment. This box isn't so empty. So I listen to other people talk. Um, but <laughs> uh, when, when, when I do that, it's like it's, it's kind of surprising to me because like. There, there was, I think, an episode on the Giant Bombcast like a couple of years ago now where one of them mentioned, they had a guest on who mentioned RimWorld. And not like as a they play RimWorld, but just like the existence of RimWorld and nobody knew what it was. And this yeah. was around the time like wow. RimWorld was releasing. So this would have been a, you know, a, good, a good couple of years ago, right? So this would have been like 2018 or something, maybe 2019 even. Like, I think it might have it been out for like eight months or something. And what, some, one of their guests was like, have any of you heard of RimWorld? And they were like, vaguely like they knew of it and like that's a game that had, at that point had sold like what three million copies <laughs> right like yeah that is a small game and it's like and that that is not uncommon because like you, you know like if you go to youtube and you look up RimWorld, like yeah you'll find some videos on youtube with some large numbers of views but like how many people actively are covering that game really yeah like and same, same no, with Dwarf Fortress. Yeah. It's like, how many people are actively covering, covering Dwarf Fortress that get numbers? I guess, like, me. And then maybe, mm. like, three other people. Yeah. Right? And, like, the, the, these, these niches that we operate in, these bubbles, are very small. They are. I don't know. It doesn't seem like that from the inside, but apparently. Yeah. Fascinating. I think like the the extent of like uh, a, a lot of um, mainstream games coverage goes is it's like okay they they know that paradox makes games for crazy people, <laughs> that's about it. I guess it's like well they're just like that weird publisher and oh yeah I, I guess most of them would know like Frontier Developments exists. Yeah, but 
I don't even know. Where Hopefully, I, was going with I don't that. know. <laughs> but yeah, ah, indies, indies are great. Yeah, where where would we be without indies? I certainly wouldn't be here. Yeah, neither would I. Ooh, Hot Wheels Unleashed is sixteen dollars. Hmm, that might actually be cheap enough for me to buy it. I want to make. <laughs> I want to drive Hot Wheels cars up up a wall. Seems fun. Um, so I I think we're kind of running towards the end of this podcast. Um. So I'm going to see if we are ranking anywhere uh, and uh, where we are on the charts currently. They send me emails on Mondays, and it's not a Monday yet. So are we currently ranked anywhere right now? Uh, it appears that we are currently, uh, on average, uh, uh, ranking 132 uh, in uh, Europe uh, for, for various regions. And that's mostly thanks to Poland, because currently, at the time of recording, uh, as of the 23rd, which was yesterday, uh, we are the 57th most popular podcast in uh, Poland, in the video games and leisure categories. Um, we are also the 240th most popular podcast in uh, the UK for video games and leisure. Thank you to all the listeners. That's very cool. Yep. That's, uh, so, so, so that's the, the, the notice update. That's kind of interesting. We spiked up in Poland. <laughs> We've definitely got somebody who's <laughs> somebody must be going through the backlog in Poland. That's that's my assumption. That's cool. But uh, it's cool. Shoutouts to our Polish audience, I suppose. Um, so I, I guess it's time to kind of wrap this podcast up. So Kiri, where the heck are you, and where can people find you on the internet? Yeah, I'm I'm Kiri Tudi Kiri, and people can find me on like the easiest is just tudikiri.com. Um, I have a second channel now on Twitch, actually a co-working channel because. I don't know, all the cool kids are doing it. So I'm doing it too. Um, and it's called To Do Kiri because I like to-do lists. I think it's really funny. I'm very proud of it. And uh, I, I, I'm blind. You can find me at blindirl on uh, all platforms, more or less. And uh, I, 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 I'm glad that you're enjoying the, the co-working thing. I, I, I co-work stream on my bots account, which is Calcium Crypt, which is, I guess, maybe a little crappier <laughs> branding there, but I also don't care that much. <laughs> People can watch that stream if they want. And they they can listen to my yeah, stoner it's rock fine. while I edit videos. <laughs> um, but uh, if you want to find more episodes of this podcast, you can find us over at halcyonfrequency.com. And uh, if this podcast doesn't show up in places where you listen to podcasts, let me know and I'll do my best to make it show up there. But I'm pretty sure we're everywhere at this point. And uh, if you happen to be on a platform where you're allowed to leave reviews, all reviews help, but they help the most over on iTunes. Uh, I think we're a five-star podcast, but frankly, any amount helps. And, uh, you know, don't, don't leave an actual review in there. Just, uh, just, just go to iTunes and uh, put your favorite brownies recipe uh, in there, be or favorite baking recipe in general, because I'm looking for more recipes, and it would be really nice to just get recipes in my email instead of like, Good podcast. Thumbs up. So just like copy paste your favorite baking recipe in there because I, I would love to know. And uh, aside, I like that. aside from that, uh, new episodes go up every Sunday. So until next week, don't touch that dial. This is Halcyon Frequency signing off. I didn't script the outro this time. You usually do that. <laughs>